This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iwake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to iWake.com. And now, it's showtime. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Watersport's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Once again, we're coming at you from sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. For those of you not familiar with me or what I do, a little bit about myself. I don't like cold weather. Probably my favorite show of all time on TV is The Office. My love for WWE wrestling dates back to some of my earliest memories. And as wacky as that all sounds, most importantly, for the last decade now, I've been the voice for professional wakeboarding. This audio podcast is brought to you twice monthly for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes or at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, iWake.com, Woodrose, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find out special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. More ways to support? Please subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes and be sure to rate and review the show. Also, follow my personal Instagram at DanoTMano. And later on in the show, I'll drop both Twitter account handles, so make sure you have your smartphones ready. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Let's start out with announcing the winner of our most recent giveaway. Our friends at Revolution Cable Park down in Fort Myers, Florida hooked us up with a pair of all-day cable passes, and we've received some emails regarding those over the past few weeks to freeswag at noiseofthenorth.com. It wasn't easy, but I picked a winner, and I'd like to announce it now. The winner is Jessica Tinklepaw. Congratulations, Jessica, who wrote quite the story. I want to give Revolution Cable Park one more shout out and hook you all up with some info in case you're ever in the area and need a dope spot to ride. Revolution Cable Park is open 1 to 7 Wednesday through Friday and Saturday Sundays open 12 to 7. When summer hits, they're open till 8 p.m. 7 days a week. That's June, July, and August. Revolution has an all-new double A-frame transfer going in April 1st, which is a sweet new big feature, and they have the Liquid Force free-for-all coming up April 12th with top Liquid Force pros to be announced soon. Find them on Twitter and Instagram at Revolution Cable Park. On Facebook, they have their Revo Cable main page and Revolution Cable Park fan page as well. Also, check out revolutioncable.com. 
Thanks to Josh Wright and everyone at Revo Wake Park for getting this giveaway set up. It's getting close to the start of the wake season, and as I prepared to release today's episode, I've already been moving and shaking. Recently, I was in Detroit for the Detroit Boat Show, working in indoor rail jam with the crew at Step Up Productions. Justin Tyke, Cody Hess, and my new friend Lucky Hoey ran the show. I actually have a Vimeo up on my blog page at noiseofthenorth.com where you can check out all the action for yourselves. Also, Tommy's in Florida have opened up their newest location in Claremont. I stopped out at their grand opening and ran into Scott Byerly, George Daniels, and Tony Carroll, who are all out to show their support for Tommy's and help promote their brands and sponsors. I met up with the Fox crew at Supercross in Daytona and also attended the Wake Journal's 5th anniversary and New Year launch party. I've been getting busy, but hey, that's just the lifestyle, the lake lifestyle of the noise of the north, and I'm glad to be able to share it with those of you who care to listen. I was also recently interviewed by the guys at Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. It releases Thursday, March 19th, the day after this episode is slated to release. Please give it a, a read, share it, and shoot me some, uh, some feedback. Again, you can see my interview at www.wakeboardinghalloffame.com. On to today's guest. Our first official wake skate athlete is in the house. One of the pioneers of wake skating, Brian Grubb himself, joins me today on the Golden Mike podcast. This was a fun-flowing interview. We talk about the early days of wake skating along with the original wake skate pros. Grubb discusses his passion for thrill-seeking, bungee jumping, and skydiving, and we get to hear about one of his most recent adventures across the globe where he wake skated in the freezing cold climate of Bosnia. In this interview, I think Grubb comes across as a very well-spoken and once again proves to me he is a true professional and a great sport ambassador. Now, take a deep breath. After a little love to the ones that love us, my sponsors, we'll be right back with Brian Grubb on the Golden Mike Podcast. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrose handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrose on Instagram at Woodrose or check them out online at Woodrose.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E dot com. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, Brian Grubb. What's up, Grubby? How's, how's it winter going? Been, yeah, how's winter been treating you? Good, it's been great. I've been staying real busy and yeah, man, just trying to uh, live it up. Get your travel on. How about boat shows? You been traveling to any of those? Yeah, I did a few boat shows uh, for Malibu this year and uh, they were also Hyperlite dealers too, which was convenient. Yeah, I did Louisville and Denver. So Denver was super fun. Um... Got to do some snowboarding out there. Went out a couple days early, hung out with the guys from Zeal out in Boulder and, and stuff. So, yeah, man, it was fun. I just actually got back from the Detroit boat show. That's probably a cold one, huh? Yeah, it was it was below uh, zero for, <laughs> for a handful of the days. But needless to say, it was still a good time. It was crazy. We had uh, Cody Hess and Justin Tyke there out doing the rail jam with me in Detroit. 
but in Grand Rapids, there was another boat show going on, and like every pro you could think of is out there. Really? It was like a real party. Yeah, but, yeah. Every show I went to, there was you know four or five guys there that were from Orlando for the weekend, so it was fun. The, I know they they crushed it at Detroit, so it seems like it's a good year. I think uh, I think boat sales <laughs> look to be on the rise as of right now. Yeah, Malibu, I know, is doing really well. I mean, both shows I went to, they sold a bunch of boats. And, and yeah, there's just a lot of feedback, obviously, on the surf, you know, surf gate stuff and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, the new boats are, are killer. So You got that 2015 in your backyard right now? I do. Yeah, I, I uh, got a 2015 in September, like right after expo time. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the boat's decked out it's got you know the 550 horsepower lsa motor in it um all the new touchscreen displays in it are amazing obviously surfgate's great and the wake on it's you know it's really customizable and you know i can put so much weight in in there with that motor that you know i can have basically any any wake shape that i really want so it's i'm yeah, totally spoiled <laughs> i was I, I know i don't know if it's the same boat but i was out with you right before surf expo we did that kind of vip ride with that uh that family from california yeah. they won some time on the boat with you or whatever yeah yeah is yeah. that the same boat uh well it's same same boat but different color yeah what was that the mxz no i had MX a i had a uh, red and black and silver that's the one we were on right yeah i believe so yeah i had that one right before ba same boat 23 lsv uh same motor but with the new boat for 2015 it comes with a new power wedge uh, which has a lift feature on it so you can get a ton of more weight on plane which is a great feature and then the whole uh, dash has been redesigned too for 2015 so it feels like a totally different boat but you know the hull and the and the motor are the same yeah i i talked to a couple of the guys at the malibu booth at the boat show and pretty pretty exciting it seems like you guys have a, a pretty good vision moving forward right now yeah things are really good i mean obviously they're taking great care of me with you know, putting a brand new boat in my backyard and everything, but, um, you earned it, but yeah, man, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I couldn't do what I do without it. So I've been really lucky to be with Malibu for so long. Have you been riding in Orlando at all? A little bit. Yeah. I've been traveling a bunch. Um, I tried to go up, uh, last week up to the Washington area and do some snowboarding and stuff, but we had booked a place up there and couldn't get out of it. So we kind of just had to go and make the most of it. But uh, the last couple of years, we've been just killing it up there, getting so much snow, and they just get dumped on up there. But this year, it's dry. I mean, Baker only has three lifts open, and there's just really no snow hardly. So, um, so yeah, I was up there for that, and that was cool. I know last year was a really good winter. I was yeah. the first time I ever went out west. I I never rode on a I never snowboarded on a real mountain until last year, and it was mind blowing. I'm used <laughs> to riding on little. Uh, garbage bumps in wisconsin yeah the wisconsin you know? hills yeah i'm sure you've actually <laughs> rode a couple of those here and i there. have yeah once yeah you live here in orlando and you've been here for a long time but you're really not from here where where did you originally uh grow up yeah i was born up in uh nashua new hampshire uh which is about an hour north of boston and um yeah i lived up there until i was 10 and then yeah my family moved down to florida just kind of over the winters and yeah just trying to get out of the bad weather and came down to florida and yeah, never really looked back, man. I I love it here. I couldn't really imagine living anywhere else. And yeah, especially Orlando. I mean, it's got it's got it all, you know, tons of lakes and close to the beach and great weather and it's perfect, really. Yeah, of course, I don't blame your family. But I don't come here. I mean, we're not saying it's that great, but for me, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I always try to get my family to move down this way, but something about being up there in the Midwest that they love. Something people may not know about you is that you were a water skier at one time. And I was, yeah. 
my show, I, I, I like to make it more than just wakeboarding. It's towed water sports. That's why yeah. I'm having you, a wake skater, on here. Yeah. Um, you're, you're a pretty good water skier at that. Can you talk a little bit about those days, maybe like what years, and maybe some of the names that you competed <clears> against, <throat> and, if, and some of those people, they're still involved in the sport? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we moved to Florida in 91, started skiing right away. Like I learned to ski when I was real little and we got a boat right away. You know, we bought like an inboard outboard, didn't really know anything much about competitive skiing at the time and stuff. But um, yeah, I got into slalom skiing like a lot. I mean, at the time wakeboarding was just kind of getting started, you know, like um, so that really wasn't even on the radar yet, but water skiing definitely was and started um, slalom skiing and doing okay. And like went to um, Sammy Duval's uh, camp one summer in 92, actually. So I skied there all week, like made a ton of progress, like um, started running, you know, 22 off and getting some balls at 28 off and stuff. So and you're a slalom skier. Yeah, slalom skiing. Yeah. So and uh, so they were like, hey, you should there's a contest at bar or a tournament at Barnett Park, which is here in Orlando, like the weekend after I was done with water ski school, you know. So I was like, yeah, I'll go check it out. Like they wanted me to go try it. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it would have been the last year I was in boys too, too. So I would have been skiing at 34 still. So sign up for the, for the tournament, show up there, like not knowing what to expect. I've never met anybody in wake at all. And, and two of the first people I meet are Parks and Shane. So I'm skiing against Parks and, uh, and then Shane's just, you know, obviously running around crazy and like, this is 1992, 92. Yeah. When I, when I met those guys. Yeah. So, but I was just like super green to water skiing and tournaments and these days, those guys grew up with it, you know? So, I mean, they're just totally in their element i'm just kind of like standing back like oh man this is crazy and yeah there were guys like um oh who else was there man like joey blakely was there uh he was skiing at the time and uh oh man I'm trying to remember a bunch of other guys names was it well, chris travers was uh yeah actually uh yeah greg was still doing a little bit of skiing i did a few tournaments like in in 93 that he went to and stuff that, that's when we bumped up to boys three uh, you know, so I went up to 36 miles an hour and, and, uh, yeah, I, I skied boys three for like three, three seasons or something. And then really got into wakeboarding, like pretty heavy and didn't, um, do too much competitive skiing anymore. But like, I think my best finish at nationals was, uh, was ninth place or something too. And there was, you know, like 50 or 60 guys at the time, like competing oh, yeah. every, every weekend, you know, but you know, I'm skiing against Chris Parrish and Marcus Brown and, you know, all these guys that are, you know, professional psalm skiers that now still, that are just killing it still you know yeah so even just to be you know in the top 10 with those guys was was really cool i think i ran i think my best in at nationals was like three at 35 off or something so like not like exceptionally good but but good enough to did to you get by and, and be like a little bit competitive with like the middle of the pack did you dabble in any of the other uh, disciplines, any trick skiing or jumping? I did a little bit, yeah. I mean, when I was really heavy into it, I was training out at Jack Travers, you know, so big three event, you know, tournament training center out there, you know. So, uh, you know, I'd go out there for a week or two every summer and, yeah, I'd jump a little bit and, like, did some tricking and stuff like that. But I was also, like, starting to wakeboard a lot too, you know, and, and really having a lot of fun doing that too. So, I don't know, I took a couple good diggers jumping so i didn't really get into that you know too heavy or whatever and then but yeah, but i always I'll just watch felt, the jumping i'll watch the jumping but not for me yeah that's yeah it just really wasn't for me either like i don't know those skis just felt so big i couldn't really control them but i don't know well slalom ski it was fun it was fast and you needed to you know be on it and it's really competitive and it still and is it's, fun and yeah it really is I, I really enjoy watching it like up at the masters every year and stuff but 
it's like racing, you know, like, you know, there's a, always going to be like a winner and there's no question about it, you know, or with wakeboarding, it's really subjective and stuff right. like that. So uh, I wish wakeboarding could be more like that where, you know, there was a definite winner every time, but you always knew what you had to do to win, you know, and, and if you could do it, you'd win. And if you didn't, then you didn't. But when was the last time you uh, turned around some buoys? Um, last summer, actually, I, I was uh, doing my hyperlight clinics and I went out um, to the Scotty Barone Memorial that Tommy's right. had out in Colorado. And they did a, an event where they did a, a cross between a slalom and a wakeboard event, you know, because that was the two things that he was really into. And uh, so, yeah, I got signed up for the slalom event and I actually had a really good time. I hadn't been on a ski in probably like two years. And uh, I mean, it was a little longer than I probably would have wanted and stuff like that. But yeah, I got the thing to turn and I ended up running like 28 off or something and surprised a lot of people because not a lot to, of people knew I could still ski and stuff. So. You need to come out on the boat with, with <laughs> Thomas DeGasperi and me, man. I know you guys are, yeah, you are a Malibu lot, teammate. Huh? Yeah, I go out there. He coaches me. He's helped me. Uh, that would be really fun, actually. Yeah, I'm starting to ski at 34 miles an hour. Really? Yeah. Dude, That's yeah. awesome. Thomas, yeah, I should go out there with you guys. That'd be super fun. Thomas is killer, man. I, I love hanging out with that guy. And Thomas is my yeah, slalom coach. You're my wakeboard coach. <laughs> well, I don't wakeboard, but well, I can get you, you on a wake skate. You taught me how to <laughs> land a back roll this summer, did you not? I, I guess I did, yeah. I can coach some wakeboarding, yeah. You can coach I got the fundamentals down, I guess. <laughs> a lot of the wakeboarders I talk to, they talk about how they got into the, the sport with the family and stuff like that. Were you like riding knee boards around? You standing up on those? trying emulating you know riding sideways stuff like that at all yeah for sure i mean when we first got that first boat the kneeboard was really the first thing that we got you know that really, i mean we got combo skis on a kneeboard you know and um yeah i mean my sisters and i would go out on the boat with my dad and my mom and yeah every weekend we were out on the butler chain just cruising around you know we'd go to bird island and you know we'd go kneeboarding and you know do some i don't know we just had a lot of fun just like being out on the water and stuff too. But when I really started getting into slalom skiing, you know, pretty heavy, we ended up getting rid of that boat um, and getting like a, our first ski boat was a 205 Pro Star yeah, those Mastercraft. Awesome. Yeah, great boat. It was like a Rucks had one of those 95 too. or something. Or nine, no, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a 94, 95. But great boat, you know, like, and I also did a lot of like my first like wakeboard and behind that boat too, like start putting weight in it. I mean, it was never a great wake for it you know but sure but it was getting us out there and like learn how to do air tricks you there know behind that boat room to stuff put like fat that. Sacks. yeah there was plenty of room yeah you take out the back seat and yeah you can get a ton of extra weight in there and stuff too so it was a great boat my parents actually still have it so yeah it's stood the test of time um <laughs> you, so you talked you you talk about from water skiing you transitioned a bit into wakeboarding and obviously when i first heard of you you were still at that point you were still wakeboarding quite a bit. I mean, I remember the pointless movie and you were actually the first few clips of you were on a wakeboard. Um, how did, how did the transition start happening? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, all through high school and stuff, like worked at performance ski and surf was just, you know, everything was wakeboarding, you know, like all my friends were into it. We were all into it. You know, it was just everything that we did, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, just seeing the mags and seeing Scott and Thomas and those guys start to kind of mess around, you know, with wake skating and stuff like that. You know, I just started getting into that a little bit more, but this was also the kind of the same time that, um, that blue torch, like ride and slide event was starting to go on. And like, I never really had like in wakeboarding, like I never really had like all the hard tricks and, and everything that you would really need to go to like a pro tour stop and stuff. But when they introduced rails, like it really kind of 
leveled the field a little bit more like for me because i was always pretty decent on rails and like could you know ollie pretty high and like you know do that stuff so i actually wrote a few of those events and made some money like doing those and then that's what kind of freed me up from like working so much and i could maybe like or i could like focus a little bit more time like being on the water and and starting to really put more effort and, and time towards wake skating and at that time you're working at performance and they also had a shop at orlando water sports complex so you have the cable pass i'm sure so you're getting a lot of time out there as well yeah that was definitely a big part of it um yeah when i came back i, I went to florida state university for a year for my freshman year like right out of high school and then uh came back to orlando to, to ucf and that's right when they were opening up owc so i started working uh, pretty much half of my shifts were over at OWC um, when they first opened that shop over there. So during my lunch break, you know, I was riding for an hour and pretty much every chance I could get, you know, I could ride for free out there. So I was taking full advantage of that. You know, we built like the first rails out there at the park and we were just really, we were out there all the time and we always just wanted to, you know, take it to the next level. And we were starting to build rails, you know, on the lake. So we'd started getting some out there and, and, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's kind of what got me into wake skating even more too, is I kind of got bored riding a wakeboard out there. We had one flat bar and one kicker and, and, uh, it just kind of got boring. Like, you know, and, and at the time, like Murray was actually going out there a lot and wake skating out at the cable. Like when we first got that flat bar and it's just like really fun. And so I just started doing it more and more out there. And then, man, when I started hitting that, that red kicker out there, I just started having so much fun and realizing that I could do a lot of stuff you know, on a wake skate that, you know, I don't know that and, people weren't doing at the time. And, say, at and that, that time, felt really cool to me to do, you know, I just like, you know, I think about it all the time and, and there was so much stuff. It was just unknown, like what you could really do. So we were trying to come up with new tricks all the time and doing new stuff. And, and so it was just a great place to be able to go there and ride and, you know, do flat water tricks and start hitting some rails. And we had this huge eight foot kicker that I could like somehow land off of, you know, some, you know, I don't know. It was just like a, crazy time and and uh but yeah definitely riding at odub and working there was a big was a big uh factor with getting me wake skating full-time we're at this point in your life you now you're a guy that you went to college i mean you're a lot of the a lot of wakeboarders a lot of wake skaters don't they just get into the industry and they think this is going to be their life for the you know forever yeah. you obviously you went to college you graduated college but at what point was it that were you, I'm going to be a pro wakeboarder or did you know that you were going to be a pro wake skater or like, when did that, when did it all start clicking? I mean, honestly, like since I was, when I learned how to water ski, uh, you know, when I was five, six years old, I, I don't know. I was just like, man, that's what I wanted. I'm going to be a pro skier. I always joked about it. And even when I started, when we moved to Florida and started slalom skiing and all that. I just, I wanted to be a pro skier. You know, I just loved being on the water. I just loved everything about it. I loved working at performance, you know, back then I'm 16, like working in the shop, meeting, you know, all the pros coming in, fixing their bindings for them and stuff. And just, it was just like a cool scene and like cool environment to like be a part of, you know? And, and I don't know, I just kind of transitioned into like I slalom skied and then just kind of not really got bored, but just kind of maybe peaked out a little bit and just wasn't really challenged by it. So I, Put more time into wakeboarding and then the same thing kind of happened with that and then with wake skating i just got into it at such a infancy that like everything we were doing was different and new and and just really exciting you know so that's what's been such a draw for me and i just really love to do it and i still like you know enjoy riding riding my board every day really 
Yeah, it's a, that's a beautiful thing it's yeah. when, you, when you actually love your job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing, really. I mean, looking back, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're getting old now, but I mean, <laughs> looking back, I mean, the, everything that's happened and how everything worked out, I mean, it's, it really is pretty pretty crazy. Let's talk about some of the early days of wake skating. Some names that come to mind to me are Thomas Harrell, who you mentioned, Scott Byerly, Brandon Meek, and Drew McGuckin. Yeah. Uh, along with yourself, would you call these like some of the pioneers of, of wake skating? Oh, absolutely. I mean, those are the guys that I saw doing it before me and that really, you know, kind of opened my eyes to realizing, hey, like maybe we could push this and take it to its whole thing and not just kind of a, you know, I mean, something to do like when you're bored, like after you're done riding or whatever, but, you know, completely hang up the wakeboard and, and just focus, you know, all my time on, on wake skating. And that's kind of what I ended up doing. And, and yeah, it's been, been a great run. And, and that group of, and that group of names right there, I mean, all of those guys basically did the same thing. I mean, from, from one point they were all wakeboarders and then at a certain point they, yeah, that's true. Just fully transitioned. Talk about how the boards evolved from just grip tape or foam pads on smaller wakeboards to the actual first wooden composite decks hyperlight made for you. Um, yeah, my story is yeah a little bit a little bit different, I guess, because I was uh, I was riding uh, wakeboards for hyperlight at the time. I met all those guys through working at performance and stuff, and uh, and yeah, they were they were you know getting me on boards, and and you know Paul took you know really good care of me, and that's how I met met Byerly and we actually um Paul took us out to X Games out in uh in San Francisco. I went up to Seattle, went through like a full tour factory and then flew down with Chad and Paul to X Games. And then uh Byerly ended up flying out there and and meeting us out there too. And that was the first time I ever like got to hang out with him and so we hung out for a couple of days out there and he's like, Yeah man, you should come ride sometime like when we get back to Orlando and that's kinda like how that whole thing happened. And then when we started wake skating together, he was kind of at the same point too. Like he, all he wanted to do at the time was wake skate and not really wakeboard as much, you know, too. So, um, it was just kind of a perfect mix of everything, like meeting him at the time. And then I had just transferred back, um, to go to, to school at UCF, which was 10 minutes from Scott's house. So, I mean, for two years, I mean, basically like the whole time I was at UCF, I was like scheduling my classes around like leaving myself a four or five hour gap in the middle of the day to like go to Scott's house and ride and like hang out with everybody and then go back to class and like do my stuff like while I was on that side of town because I was living like, you know, on the other side of town. So I don't know. It was just like, it's crazy. Like how it all kind of, kind of worked out. It always blows my mind how when so many new riders have come along over the years that I've watched and Scott takes people under his wing and you'd never think, you know, looking at Scott just through the magazines, there's video parts growing up. Yeah. You'd never think that this dude would be such a giver, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, he's the nicest guy in the world. I mean, it's. I mean, he'd give you the shirt right off his back, you know? I mean, he's just a great guy, and he loves wakeboarding and wake skating. I mean, to this day, I mean, he's riding all the time still. He he's loves always it all. pushing it. He loves it all, you know? He's like, and he kills it. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable, you know? He's had such a long career, and he's kind of done it all, and now he's got, you know, a great, you know, board brand that he's doing, and... But but just being, you know, where he's at and still just loving to ride all the time. I mean, I hope I'm, you know, feeling the same way when I'm his age, you know. Hey, getting back to boards a little bit, you you and Scott were two of the first guys to ever get signature wake skates. I, maybe 
I mean, I think yeah, cassette probably, may yeah. have yeah, had... cassette probably had some at the time too, but but yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, and you and what set them apart was that there was the original Wakeskate that I remember was that I think it was like a Juvie or something, a Hyperlight Juvie yeah. with the they called the, it a Waterskate. Yeah, the Waterskate with the yellow <laughs> foam pad on top of it. Yeah, the first one was a gray pad, but yeah, it was just a Juvie. Yeah, wakeboard with yeah foam top on it, EVA just glued to the top. And then you guys actually <clears throat> had wood decks that were made, and they weren't just like generically shaped. They, I mean, they were specific. I remember uh, Scott's was a little bit shorter and more fat, and yours was like uh, it had a little bit more length to it or something like that. But I, I also remember they were pretty hard to come by. Yeah, they were at the time. Yeah, I mean. We didn't really know what we were doing at the time, you know, I mean, we were riding old wakeboards that, you know, but they were obviously too big and stuff. And then, you know, Thomas and those guys were making some really cool decks with cassette at the time, like more of skateboard stuff with grip tape and stuff like that. So when we came out with that first line of, of real wake skates, it was the SBG boards or whatever. And, um, yeah, we, we did wood decks like concave, like real small concaves, but concave, like plied wood concave decks, but we did foam tops on top. I mean, at the time, I don't know. I was just, I was really into riding foam and it just felt like good under my feet and had always had good traction. And, and, uh, I don't know the couple of times that I rode grip tape, it just felt just like too, too loose for me. I don't know what it was, but I rode foam for, you know, for a long time. Most of your career, right? Um, yeah, up until like, uh, like Oh seven, I think. I started riding like all grip tape and stuff, but, um, but yeah, looking back, I, I wish I would have switched sooner, you know, I mean, now I ride a foam board and, and it just, for a lot of tricks, you need your foot to slide and move and, you know, especially like flip tricks and stuff like that. And with foam, like it's great for spins and like, you know, jumping the way you get really good traction, but it, it's, it kind of hurts you in some places too and stuff too. But I mean, it's really personal preference. I mean, you can ride both and you know, if you're just cruising around riding barefoot or something like riding foam, foam tops are great too. But your style has evolved too, though. You, you know, back when you first started, our, uh, you know, getting your own boards on a wake skate, those foam tops, it's not like you were doing, like you said, these big intricate tricks. What you were doing is you were going for those same rails that the pointless boys were going for. That's the other thing too. Yeah. I mean, at the time and yeah, kind of how I made a little name for myself was, yeah, hitting wakeboard rails and doing wakeboard like stunt type rails, like on a wake skate, you know, and you needed a bigger board to do that, you know, so it did work for what I was doing at the time. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've liked that I've, I've transitioned. I mean, I have like at least one of my boards from every year that I've written, I have a ton of like old boards in my house and, uh, and you see the progression of like how they've changed, you know, but, but where they're at now, it's like, a wood concave deck with grip tape, you know, that we were doing right. 12 years ago. And we went to this full, like we did all kinds of different compression molded boards and we we're always trying different stuff, but I always liked having a different feeling, you know, like I always wanted to change my board like every two or three years where a lot of guys in wake skating, like they've been riding their boards, you know, their whole time. Like, I mean, even Reed, like he's been riding that same bi-level for, you know, 10 years or whatever. And he doesn't really want to change. And I wouldn't either if I rode as well as he does on that right. board, you know? Yeah, but but there's for me, like, I get bored, like, if I ride the same board for too long, like, I get bored with it, I'll, like, I'll ride a bigger size, or, like, I'll ride just something different, just to kind of give it a different feeling, you know, so. Exactly. I kind of like it, and, yeah, now looking back, it's been cool to, like, ride a ton of different boards, and different tops, and with fins, and without fins, and, and always just kind of change it up for whatever the environment is that I'm riding in. Yeah, well... It kind of goes to uh, this next question I've got here, and I wrote it like this. You and Scott Barley, you know, 
have been with Hyperlight designing and making skates for arguably, you know, longer than anybody out there, uh, collectively, of course, does your knowledge of the product, the research and design, does, I mean, does that seriously help you? Does Hyperlate have the best boards out there now or what? Yeah, the board that I'm on now, the Mr. Ocean Pro model that I've, that I've been riding the last two years is, yeah, it's probably my favorite board that I've ever ridden for sure. I mean, um, it has a little bit more forgiving rocker. It has less of a three, it has a three stage uh, rocker, but um, it's really small. And so you get less of that like, abrupt kick you know off the wake especially riding wake to wake and stuff but it's way faster on landings and then obviously the smaller size board that i ride winching and and on cable mostly um it just has a lot faster um you know ride to it too so when you land tricks it doesn't it doesn't feel like the board's hitting the brakes as much as like some of my older boards did but at the time you know behind the boat you wanted a three-stage board to give you that 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 kick and that pop like where your tail really comes up high off the wake and stuff so but yeah, I mean, I've just kind of adapted and changed. But the concave and the top deck that I have now, like, yeah, it feels really comfortable and and um, it's great for everything. You know, riding behind the boat and cable and winching and you know, yeah, pretty, more pretty much anything you want to do. Yeah, it's super versatile. You know, you can ride it with fans or without. And and uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just a it's just a great board. Yeah, I really like it. Do you think it's Do you think it's more important to design the best board for yourself? Like for Brian Grubber, do you have the buyer in mind when you're designing your boards? Well, with Catalyst Wake Skates, I mean, we have, you know, a board for everybody, really. I mean, we have everything from, you know, a $100 flat deck just to kind of get you on the water without bindings to, you know, my pro model, which is a top of the line board that, you know, depending on what size you get, you can ride behind a, a boat or, or anything, really. So, yeah, my pro model is definitely the board that I designed it, you know, to be a board that I want to ride, you know, I mean, I have to compete on it. I have to ride on it and I have the, um, you know, the ability to make it kind of however I want. Like Hyperlite kind of gives me that, um, that trust to design a board that, you know, will work for everybody, but also something that I can ride and, and be really happy with. So, and you're, you're a little bit of a different rider than a lot of other people because you don't just excel in one aspect of wake skating. I mean, you are, top boat rider you are one of the top winch riders you are one of the top riders uh, I don't know on that, a cable but... <laughs> i mean collectively all together i mean i i don't think there's anybody who can do all of the different aspects as good as you i mean maybe maybe like reed hansen you know but there's most of the guys nowadays it seems like are focusing more on either two tower parks or winching and that's like considered the core of the sport, but yeah. I prefer watching what you guys do behind the boat. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my favorite thing to do too. You know, I mean, I always like hitting rails and, you know, cable parks are fun and they're all, all, all a little bit different and stuff. But I mean, for me, there's just like no better feeling than just blasting off the wake, you know, and, or landing, you know, a big trick or, or anything really. I mean, it's just fun being on the boat or just being on the boat with your friends and stuff, you but know, to see so. you guys at the masters wake skating at the masters i mean the, the event that's supposed to be the, the yeah, most legendary crazy. the most prestigious event the most classic the the one with the most tradition and and you guys aren't just putting two passes with falls you guys are putting two passes no falls going wake to wake each and every time yeah. doing more than just nose grab 180 you know yeah for sure i mean the last two years especially it has been 
super competitive, you know, all the events, you know, every one of them, you know, comes down to a trick or two, really either you, you had, you know, enough tricks or enough score or you did. I mean, they're, they're always really close. I mean, even the two events I won last year, I was like, I didn't know if I won it for sure or not. You know, I knew it was going to be in the judges hands. There wasn't really any like blowouts or, or anything like that. You know, it's always really, really competitive, which is great. That's kind of always what we've, what we've wanted, you know, and you know, we, we kind of wish there was, you know, more guys competing, you know, we have, you know, 10 or 12 guys every weekend competing out there, but, um, but yeah, when we get to the finals, when it's down to the four, I mean, it's, it's Reed and, you know, Danny Hampson and Balzer and BT and George, you know, I mean, it's, it's those guys that any one of them, if they put their run together, could, could win every weekend, you know, yeah. and, but that's how you want it to be. You know, you want Absolutely. it to be competitive. You know, that's what I enjoyed. I mean, I love competing and, and, uh, yeah, trying to, trying to get the victory every weekend. So, I mean, I look forward to all those events and being ready for them. And I love when you guys all stand up too. I mean, no, obviously nobody ever wants mm. to win by somebody else falling, but right. when, when somebody who doesn't really know much about wake skating watches you guys do two wake to wake passes in a row, I, I, I never 10 years ago thought the stuff <laughs> that is going down today would be, I thought it maybe now and then those tricks would be landed, you know, you know, a wake to wake kickflip was landed 12, 15 years ago. Right. But Mm-hmm. Now, those are being landed. Yeah, it only happened in a contest like three years ago at Toe Jam, you know, the last Toe Jam or whatever when George did one. So there's still a ton of tricks that people are doing at home a lot that, you know, still haven't really even done in contests yet because we really only have seven boat events a year, really. And maybe maybe half of them are in like really contestable conditions. Right. So, I mean, for us, you know, when it gets windy and stuff like, yeah, we're kind of like pulling back on the reins a little bit just to to try to stand up two passes, so you're not really doing hey, you have no maybe choice. the hardest stuff. But man, when it's calm water, like at nationals this year, it was perfect. I mean, there was even worlds this year was really good. I didn't really ride that great there, but um, but the conditions were great. And so, man, when it's when it's calm water or a straight headwind tailwind, like it's it's game on for sure. I mean, everyone's gonna ride really well. Hey, we were talking a little bit earlier about cassette and. I just wanted to kind of like fanboy stuff back when I was working in the shop. Hyperlight versus cassette. Because I was really into it. I, well, I still am into wake skating, but I was really into it when I was younger. Yeah. Two very different style brands with different kinds of riders. Uh, but you guys, Hyperlight and Cassette, were pretty much the first two companies to mass produce wake sure. skates. Did you clash with the cassette guys at all? You know, I know like it was Thomas Harrell and... Reed Han- uh I'm sorry, uh, Aaron Reed and you know Yeah, it, Reed was with them. Aaron or uh, Reed Hansen was with them too. Yeah. Reed Hansen was with at, those at guys. The there, yeah. Yep, back in those days. But those guys were a little bit more punk rock compared to like how you kind of yeah. live your lifestyle. And yeah, whatnot. they had a totally different scene going on too. And and uh I mean really honestly looking back, I mean, they were doing like all like kind of the cool stuff and I was kind of just on the opposite end of the spectrum, really. I mean I was riding with Byerly, like my hero growing up and everything. So everything that we were doing at the time, like I, mean, I was just rad, just, you know, felt like it was the coolest thing, just riding with him every day and hanging out. So I didn't really care really what those guys were doing. But when we started competing, like in 03, it kind of got more competitive. You know, Thomas rode contests for a few years and and Aaron and, and then Danny Hampson came on the scene and obviously he was killing it. Like this just young kid out of the keys doing kickflips every time and, you know. 
but everything that they did, like looking back, like was really like how it, you know, should be done. You know, they made the first skateboard type boards. They made the first grip tape. They made, I mean, everything that people are doing now, they made the first lock-in fins. They made the first bi-level, um, you know, pretty much everything they did. They made their own team movies. I mean, I mean, they really like did it right, you know? And like at the time, I mean, yeah, it got competitive between us. I think, I don't even know why really, but like, I mean, there was a couple of times like when things just got like competitive and, you know, being downtown Orlando, just like screwing around with each other. And like, I mean, looking back, it's like really funny, you know, cause we were all friends, but like, I don't know. I think it was just like, was because we were competing against each other, like on weekends, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, I've, you know, talked trash and like whatever to him and yeah. stuff like that, but, I mean, guys, it, but it was fun, but yeah, they dish too. it out too, you know? But the stuff that Thomas did and I mean, everything that he's done, I mean, look, I mean, look at all the decks out there right now. I mean, he basically designed, I mean, yeah, all the concaves are a little different, you know, but like he came up with the first like concaved, you know, CNC'd out wood, wood deck. I mean, and that's what everybody rides now. I mean, all the remote boards are like that, all the water monster stuff. I mean, even my deck, you know, it's like really similar to what, what Thomas envisioned, you know, back then. I mean, he really... He's the guy that really started it all and had that vision, you know, and then, you know, with Aaron and Danny and with Cassette, you know, he really kind of just steered it in the right direction. And then when he felt, I think he maybe felt like he couldn't take it any further. He was just kind of over the politics or whatever it really was, you know, and then he just kind of disappeared. A lot of pressure, you know? a lot of pressure. Which is kind of cool too, you know, he's like, yeah, if they're not going to do it my way, then that I'm out of here. I'm going to go do something else. And that's what he did. And, but I mean, yeah, I've always had all the respect in the world for him. And, um, you know, obviously my career has been a totally different path than his and my path with, with Hyperlight and Catalyst and, and with Cassette has been, you know, basically the opposite of it, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. And, you know, I always enjoyed competing against those guys and riding with them. And, you know, Danny and Aaron are really good friends of mine now. And we hang out all the time. I go down to the keys and go fishing with Danny, you know, and his dad and, and, uh, you know, enjoy hanging out with those guys and, you know, Aaron, we're out in Texas and stuff like that. So it's been great, but, but, uh, yeah, looking back at those times, they were, they were really cool, man. Going to take a quick break from the interview folks to mention my friends at Jammy Pack. Check out jammypack.com to see the entire line. But I have got to admit that recently I've been obsessed with the Urban Pack collection and the Earth Aztec colorway. The Urban Backpack design is made for the minimalist on the move, so it's perfect for those quick trips or days at the lake. It features a padded laptop sleeve with two small mesh pockets for your phone and battery pack. It also features two cargo pockets on the side with grommets so you can easily run your cords through and store your phone in an easy access area. The front speaker pocket also features a lateral zipper and pocket. These bags are insane. In fact, I'm a fan of the entire line. You can check them out ASAP at jammypack.com. And now, back to the Golden Mike podcast with special guest, Brian Grubb. Hey, I remember before there were actually contests for wake skating, you were still touring a bit, doing demos in 2002. Is actually when I first met you yep. uh, through Wisconsin. I think you were doing them for Malibu. How was that experience for you because if i remember right uh that was when water skiers were still touring with wakeboarders uh, at, at you know on the same tour the same contest scene and then you were coming out during what halftime and 
doing wake skate demos. I was, yeah. I mean, uh, I was really lucky, man. My my dad flew for Delta, and I still had some uh, flying benefits at the time. So when you know, I was hanging out with you know all the guys in Pointless at home and stuff, but um, I wanted to go on the road with those guys, you know. You know, Danny and Chad and Parks and Shane, they're all riding, you know, wakeboard pro tour and all that stuff. And, but I was really focusing on wake skating at the time, but, but I wanted to kind of like get it out there, you know, and try to get some contests going and just try to like maybe push that side of it. So I somehow convinced Scotty Clack, who was running the tour at the time, to like let me ride on Sundays. And, uh, he let me do it a couple of times. And then I, I put together a couple like pretty good passes and like good runs and stuff. And so towards the end of it, like the last couple of events, I was doing them you know, right before the finals would start, you know, on Sunday afternoons, like every time it was like prime time, you know, and he's just like, yeah, man, go do it up and back. And, and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was crazy, you know, but from that, it kind of helped transition into getting us like on, on tour in 03 and, and, uh, you know, on Vance triple crown tour and, and obviously, um, the other wake skate tour too. So. Yeah, I, I actually, I remember, I think you were on like some posters or something like that, like PWT posters, even though I don't think wake skating was on tour it, yet or something. Yeah, I don't, I can't remember exactly how that was. Maybe it was now. Malibu Yeah, you know, we did some, well, well I mean, that's how I, how I really got it. When, when Malibu was doing those Just Ride events, they were kind of like invite only and they were kind of like more exhibition style events. Everyone would get paid like an appearance fee and then there was like prizes, um, basically like for for whatever they'd be like superlatives, you know, like biggest air, best crash or, or right. whatever it is, you know, double ups with the guys back. Yeah. Then, so right? we were hitting double ups. We were hitting like the big, you know, step up gap, like the Ranger truck rail and like all that stuff. So I, so because there was rails and stuff, I could kind of hang with those guys, you know, and, and, uh, and do a lot of the stuff that they were doing on wakeboards and yeah, I could hit double ups and, and stuff like that. So that's really where like where I got, I mean, that's where I got my connection with Malibu and, uh, and met all met all a lot of those guys and stuff and yeah i owe you know lonnie farmer a lot for kind of you know she didn't really know we met at Wakestock and i did pretty well up there i got like eighth in a rail event with like 30 against 30 guys on a wake skate up there and and uh yeah so then the next season she invited me to the malibu just ride events and yeah they went great you know i won a cup won a couple like little prizes and stuff like that but yeah that's kind of what started my relationship with Malibu look at this too. 14 years later right yeah, it's crazy right it's, unbelievable it's pretty nuts hey <clears throat> i've been i've been following your recent endeavors and i'm sure most people have wake skating <laughs> on snow in yeah. bosnia yeah man all right talk to us about how this all came to happen and explain a little bit about what i'm talking about to the folks maybe who are out of the loop right now okay yeah um so we just released uh, last week uh, this video we finished that we shot in January um, where basically we wanted to take wake skating completely out of its normal environment and put it in basically the exact opposite of it in like a winter snow and, you know, environment, which, you know, we're not the first people to ever ride a wakeboard or a wake skate in snow, but we felt like if we went to this river in, in Bosnia and kind of just, I don't know, took it to the extremes a little bit, like super cold and I mean it was a really unique location it was actually perfect for kind of what we wanted to do but um but yeah it was just a an idea that that started with um with Red Bull and my friend Sebastian over in Germany and and uh yeah we we made it happen man and and yeah the, the feedback's been great and the video turned out well and we got some good images and and um 
Yeah, it's, it was a, another successful Red Bull project. I think it went viral. Yeah, it kind of did. I mean, it kind of came out that same time that blue and black and gold and white dress came out, you know, right. so we got shadowed by that a little bit, but it still, huh. did, it still did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, for any of the listeners who don't know or haven't seen this yet, basically all you need to do is go on Google and type in Brian Grubb, and I'm sure it, it'll be the first thing that pops up, but Brian Grubb, Wakesgate, winter. on snow. Yeah, I think winter Wakesgate is what they, what they called it or something, but... How do you come up with all of these like different adventures? Uh, it, you do some of the most unique um, stuff that I've ever seen within our sport. Some of my favorites, the Cranberry Pond in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Riding down the fields at, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Benau, the rice terraces. Oh, Benaue, yeah. Benaue rice terraces. Yep. I mean, first of all, how do you come up with this? Second of all, how do you get the clearance? Well, basically, it's all Red Bull, man. I mean, Red Bull is, I mean, for me, has been an unbelievable sponsor. I mean, they basically use athletes, you know, as like marketing tools, you know, and they encourage us to to come up with crazy ideas and stuff and really just dreams that we have and stuff that we want to try to do. And, you know, if it's a feasible thing and, and they think that they can pull it off and make it look good, then, yeah, they, they get behind it and and they really, you know, enable you know, us to kind of just think crazy. I mean, really, I mean, I mean, when you look, look at even the rice terrace videos and stuff, you know, I mean, Where yeah, you're running on top from? of a mountain. I mean, there's like locate, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, and it all kind of started with a guy, Sebastian Stare, who I met when I first started going over to CWC in the Philippines, like in 07 or something, we basically opened that park over there. Elroy was like, I was like one of the first athletes to go over there and we kind of opened that place up. And I met this guy, Sebastian over there and he's from, or he's from Germany and uh, he worked for Red Bull for a little while, but now he has his own production company and stuff. But even when we were over there, you know, he was really into wake skating and stuff. He was just kind of on, on vacation over there too. And like hanging out and stuff, but, um, but traveled around with us a bunch. We were going, you know, all over the Philippines, at, you know, going on little surf trips during the day and riding the, the park and stuff all the time. But, uh, but yeah, so now he's he uh, has his own production company over there, and we'd always talked about riding, like doing a wakeskate project, or like you know, and being in the Philippines, like riding some terraces and stuff over there. And around CWC, there's some small ones that that we could do, and even like some of the Nike guys, like when they filmed that movie over there, did some some small like rice terrace stuff. And and um, but yeah, I mean, long story short, I mean, he's just he he found this location like. Uh, the one that we ended up doing over there. And then there was another one in Japan, actually, that that stepped down all the way into, like, the ocean. So, uh, yeah, so Sebastian was presenting uh, this project to Red Bull International um, for some of the European uh, wakeboard guys over there. And uh, so he had this, like, whole PowerPoint presentation with a bunch of photos and different locations and different stuff, whatever. And he got done with the whole meeting, he told me, and, uh, and the guys over there that he was presenting to said, said, hey, what's that one photo with the rice terraces like what's that all about you know as soon as they told him that he said he thought of me and was like dude if they're into like doing a project like that we wanted i want to do it with you and i want to do it wake skating not wakeboarding or anything like that so i hadn't heard from him in like a few years and uh yeah he just hits me up and he's like hey man i think we got this opportunity to, to do this like this project over there in the philippines or japan and we ended up doing it in the philippines because it was like a perfect location had a great story behind it we had met you know over there in the philippines and and, uh, yeah, so it really just, it was like a perfect, perfect scenario, you know? So 
yeah, we got the the budget to to do the project over there, and he went and scouted it, and and uh, yeah, went over there for like a I think it was like nine days or something. Rode for like five, but it, but uh, but yeah, it was really you know a lot of these ideas, even the the Bosnian one. Um, obviously the the Philippines one did really well, got like over a million views on the YouTube. Rice Terrace. Yeah, the Rice Terrace video. Like, what was it like with all of those people there? You know, I mean, how those those people probably never seen this, right? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I've been to the Philippines like six times at that point, you know. But where we went, it's um, like a ten hour drive north of Manila. Um, so you're up in the mountains, super high. I mean, you're at the, you're in this little town, city kind of landscape area, but you're on the side of a mountain. There's one road that runs up the side of the mountain, you know, and people are just living right off the side of this road. They're not people like us. Either. They don't have smartphones. They don't have computers, right? They're... Um, yeah, they had phones and stuff, but, but I mean, there's still like, yeah, local, like the Mumbaki, like priests and, and a lot of those local like traditions are still, you know, obviously really. Did you guys have vibrant. to have a special ceremony before you did the, uh, before you rode the rice oh, yeah. terraces? Dude, it was crazy. Yeah. We had to get the permission from the local, local, like priests, they call them the Mubakis. And yeah, they do like this whole ceremony where they sacrifice like chickens and they, you know, pull the heart out and like read, read how it beats. I don't know. He's doing all this crazy stuff, you know, for you to wake skate. Yeah. Just to like get permission, you know? And it was like full on, like if they said no, like then yeah, we weren't going to be able to do it, you know? So that chicken heart could have beat wrong and he could have been yeah. like, sorry, this isn't happening. Yeah, and they were like, they were telling us, they're like, yeah, like if they say no, like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. Like, and we'd already started setting up and like, and we're just like, so it wasn't just like a, a ceremonial thing, you know, like where we just like had to do it for the cameras or whatever. Like it was, I mean, it's all like sacred land over there and you know, they really have been farming and living in that same spot for, you know, thousands of years, you know, they haven't really, those people have been there for a long time. So that's probably why so, yeah. they picked you because you're, it was wild, man. you're a trustworthy guy uh, as far as respectability goes. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, you know, and like, it was funny too because I I had just started kind of eating vegetarian and stuff like at the time and and they wanted to, to like drink the blood and like the whole I mean it was like it was crazy but it's just like tradition for them it was like nothing you know I mean anytime they really like need to make a decision or I don't know pray for good weather or whatever like they do you know do stuff like that you know so but it was great I mean the whole experience was insane I really didn't I mean going into the project in the Philippines at the rice terraces I I saw two photos of the place so I really didn't know exactly what we were getting into but when we got there we had a great team of photographers and video guys and you know obviously Sebastian and his whole crew like did a great job of of making it all happen and and um, yeah it was really fun to ride on do you ever get to one of these spots and you're and you look at it and you say to yourself I don't know if I should do this uh, I mean, not really. I mean, you always try to make something happen, you know, but like even, uh, this past year we, we filmed the rebel pop the lock up in the Erie canal. Sure. Up in New York. Right? Yeah. Up in New York. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. Andrew Pester went up there and did that project with me. We had a really good time, but, uh, I went up there about six weeks before we were planning on doing it. And the drop was about a nine foot drop the way the water was at the time, you know, maybe a little over nine, 10 foot drop or whatever. And so at that point it was already a pretty big drop, you know? But I'm like, yeah, we could do it. You know, it's a big drop. It's narrow landing, but, you know, it's deep enough and, you know, we can get in there. Well, then when we go up to do the project, the water had dropped another two feet or whatever. So it was like a 12 foot drop. And what was underneath so, that? What was it? Jagged rocks? Or? Um, yeah, it was just like rocks. And I mean, there was like old bottles and stuff like that, but it was only like chest deep, you know, so 
but it was only 20 feet wide too. So, sure. and it was just rock walls on both sides in the landing. So if you landed and looped out or, or anything, I mean, you could definitely get into well, the wall, but, but we, we managed to stay off of it. But if you check the, um, your profile page out on the red, on Red Bull's website, it's got photos and videos and it, the photos are just amazing, but the video is brutal, man. It's like the first probably 12 times you go for it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting broke off there. I mean, yeah, it's a, it was a big drop. And I, I kind of screwed up too. I only brought my small board. I don't know why, because we were riding boat up there too, but I just for only brought my 40 inch board instead of my 42. And I think that would have helped a little bit like on landings, having a little bit bigger board, but, but yeah, I mean, it was tough. I mean, you know, it was a, it was a big drop and, and, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a weird, weird landing in there and stuff too. But, but it was a fun project to work on. Yeah. We had, we had a Malibu up there too for a day. So, we got to do, you know, a little bit of boat riding up there too, to kind of tie it all together. And, but yeah, I mean, if that, if the water level would have been how it was when I saw it the first time I was there, I would have, we would have been able to do a lot more tricks down that for sure. Have there been any favorites as far as remote type locations that you've rode that stick out to you the most or maybe? I mean, people ask me that question a little bit and, and I always think about going to Tahiti uh, with Billabong when we um, were filming out of the pond. Filming that whole movie was was rad. I mean, we went to Australia for two weeks. Uh, we went to the Philippines and went to some really cool places there too. And then um, and then Tahiti was just it was awesome. I mean, that place is amazing. It was we were there like the week after the ASP surf event was there, so um, which is a Billabong event. So they had um, a bunch of jet skis and stuff for us to use out there and. There were still some photographers there from the event that that shot with us and and stuff like that. But it's just a really cool place. Like there's killer waves on this outside reef, you know, and then there's all these reef passes. But everything inside, I mean, is there's a deep water channel and it's just like super calm, crystal clear water, and and just flat. And I mean, it's just it's killer. And then there's obviously like great waves and big mountains and good hiking. We found winch spots up in the mountains up there and like. I don't know, it was just like a really, really fun trip. And obviously traveling with, with that whole team is always really fun. So I got to check that movie. I think I've got it downstairs at my house here. Yeah. Out of the pot. I think it was, uh, I think it was an underrated movie. I don't, I can't remember it. It just seems like. Yeah, at the time there wasn't like, yeah, a lot of movies being like full length movies, I guess, being done that year. So, but yeah. we had a, we had, yeah, we had a great movie. It did really well. Like won some awards, you know, at Wake Awards and, yeah. and stuff like that. But but just filming with, I mean, with those guys is is super fun, and, and traveling with them is obviously, you know, a real pleasure too. You're also a risk taker, adrenaline junkie, and it seems <laughs> like you're always off on some bungee jumping or skydiving trip. I see on social media all the time, but also, whenever I, you and I travel up to like the Northwest for for a wakeboard contest you're a judge on the announcer so yeah <laughs> you and i have been traveling together for 10 years now but you always seem to get into these these adventures these bungee jumping or these crazy skydiving adventures how did how did you get into all of that yeah i got into to bungee jumping which is kind of the first thing i i got into um with scott um he he uh he met the vertigo guys uh, through Greg Nelson, actually, like, uh, you know, back in the day. And yeah, Vertigo is just a crew of guys from Washington that have been bungee jumping for like 25 years, basically. And they're by far the best jumpers, best 
dudes in the world, you know, like they're, they're killer and they're super fun to hang out with. And, and I remember when I was riding with Scott a bunch at his house, you know, and, uh, he's like, yeah, we're going to Seattle. I'm going to take you bungee jumping with these guys. And even from the minute he like mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, you know, for sure. But I was like scared even just thinking about it, you know, and for three weeks before we went, you know, every time he mentions it, it's, I'm like, it just kind of like makes your heart flutter a little bit and just like thinking about looking over the edge or whatever, you know, but we got to the bridge and it was super scary. And I was like, kind of afraid of heights at the time, you know, like, you got to tell the even people, looking over the edge. I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. You got to tell the people the best part about it. This is at like three in the morning, right? Yeah. Well, actually, luckily the first time I jumped, we were jumping like at dusk. So it was like still light up, but we were at, it's called high bridge. It's up in Washington. It's like a 355 foot bridge. And we were jumping doubles at the time. So we were jumping 15 feet apart, which is pretty narrow, like on a bridge that high. So it's like first jump, you know, jumping doubles <clears throat> with somebody else. And uh, so at that point, I mean, once you're geared up and you're on the edge, like you're standing on it, like, I mean, and you're with with Byerly and like all these guys, like you don't turn back, you know, so you just got to you just got to go. And I knew that. So I just, yeah, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to chicken out. I'm just going to do it. And man, that first jump, that seriously like changed my life. Like it was just such an adrenaline rush. And just like, I don't know, just the whole experience of like being on the bridge with those guys is, is really addicting really, you know? I mean, every time, you know, since then that I've gone to the Pacific Northwest, I've called those guys up, see if they're jumping. And, and now we have, you know, a bridge in Kentucky that we can go jump basically whenever. And that Vertigo bought a few years ago and we do commercial bungee jumps on certain weekends up there in the summertime and you actually and it's a big part work, of me right? yeah yeah it's it's super fun man i love hanging out with those guys it's just a great crew and yeah last year was the first year we really had like a full season of jumps we did like five weekends where basically anyone can come up to the bridge you know you can just go to vertigobungee.com and sign up to jump with us on certain weekends and yeah it's killer it's a 240 foot bridge right over the kentucky river um it's right outside lexington kentucky it's called the Young's High Bridge, but it's sick. Yeah, we do big head dunks and and uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff out there. So, but yeah, Scott got me into that that too, and and uh, we're actually gonna be up there in April, our first jump weekend's uh, Byerly's birthday. So since we don't do toe jam anywhere, I think we're gonna try to start a new tradition of uh, going to the bridge and and jumping with everybody. Hey, I actually think this GoPro that's filming you right now, we're. We're tr we're trying out for the first time on the Golden Mike <laughs> podcast, doing a little uh, GoProing. Yeah. And Colin Harrington hooked me up with, uh, with a setup. Oh, nice. Three plus. So I'm sure, I'm sure this uh, this particular GoPro right here is. That's been on probably a been off of a jumps. bridge, yeah. Because yeah, we took Colin up on the last weekend that yeah. we went up there last year. We uh, Scott and Colin and I drove up from Orlando so we could bring all our toys with us and stuff. And and uh, yeah, we had a killer time up there. Colin and I skydive together a lot and stuff, so he'd never bungee jumped before. So we went up there, and I think he ended up getting like 30 jumps. Or, and we all got like 30 you jumps. You guys were 30 camping jumps that on weekend, the bridge yeah. too, right? Yeah, we did, actually. The first night we were there, we brought gear. We planned on camping out there the whole time, um, but it got super cold, like uh, the second kind of half of the like trip that we were up there. on a bridge. Tents on a bridge, right? Yeah, the bridge is only about, I don't know, 12 feet wide or whatever. So yeah, we just set up right on the jump station and... Yeah, man, it was killer. Wake up, open up your tent door, look over the edge, see the sun come up right there, like fog coming off the river and stuff. I mean, we got really good footage of it and stuff. Actually, um, those guys are working on some edits right now that we're going to probably end up dropping uh, right before April, like kind of when the season starts too, which Beautiful. with a lot of Collins footage, he had his drone out there and nice. red cam shots and stuff like that too. So 
we got some killer stuff. But yeah, Colin had a good time. I'm sure he'll be back up there with us this year. Let's get back to a little bit of, about wake skating. Um, your style, where does it come from? Like, uh, are you more of a wake style or a skate style? Yeah, I'd probably say more of a wake style. I mean, that's my background, you know. A lot of these guys, uh, you know, in the last few years are the guys that are kind of more focused on the winching and cable stuff. I mean, they come more of like a skateboard background and... I feel like I've come more from like a wakeboard and surfing background. You know, I I prefer probably surfing to skateboarding, you know, and my, I think my background and maybe my style maybe influence is influenced by that side a little bit more. But, but yeah, I mean, it's all wake skating, man. So it's, it doesn't really matter where you come from, but as long as you're having fun on your board and that's all that matters. How do you think other wake skaters view you these days? <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, I would, I would like to know actually, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. Even when, when I started doing it, it was never really about me or whatever. It was always just about wake skating. And the more people that we could show it to and try to get people on boards, you know, and I always figured if I could help wake skating grow, then, you know, I could have a career and I could make some money at it and, and be able to kind of live the dream. But I was never trying to like get rich off wake skating or anything like that. I was always trying to just promote how fun it was and just kind of get more people psyched about it and, and try to get more people on the water, which in the last few years, it's kind of been difficult, actually. On that same note, what are your future, like your future plans post pro athlete? You know, I, I know, I do know you're a college graduate. I was at your graduation party. Yeah, that was a good one. Many moons ago. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. That's another question I've been getting a lot lately, uh, actually. But, um, you know, I'm definitely going to ride full contest series this year and, uh, and do that. I mean, I'm, um, focused on on competing this year and, and doing all that um, obviously we got some some other projects with Red Bull that we've been working on and some some ideas now that uh, kind of our last two projects in Bosnia and the Philippines did really well we you know hopefully we'll get some more support to to do some other crazy stuff that we that we got in mind and stuff too but um, but yeah I mean I love being a part of the industry you know I enjoy judging uh, you know some wakeboard contests and and enjoy, you know, watching a lot of the young guys coming up in wakeboarding the last few years, you know, watching Harley come up was really, really fun. And this year it should be fun watching Dowdy and Massey and, you know, all those guys kind of see how they perform on tour and if they can really challenge, challenge Harley, you know, on a, on a weekly basis, it should be really fun. So I like being a part of all that. And, uh, I don't know, man, I'm just going to probably live day by day and, and, uh, you know, just try to keep having fun and stay healthy and, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, I guess cross that next bridge when I get to it. Your career has introduced you to like some of the some super famous people, and you have a few celebrity friends, uh, like Ricky Fowler and Luke Bryan, just to name a couple. I don't know Luke. I know Jake Owens. Oh, Jake Owens. My bad. Okay, yeah. Jake Owens. Yeah, yeah. Same difference, right? If you don't know much about country. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know much, if you do, they're like, oh, they're totally different. Wait, isn't Luke Bryan a Malibu owner also, though? I think he might be. Yeah. He did a music video with Evan Geiselman and stuff, that, that surfer from New Smyrna and stuff. So, yeah, he, he's kind of got a little bit going on with action sports, too. So you've got these celebrity friends, and I want to know, like, are these dudes you just meet through Red Bull, or are these guys like us? Are they, like, lake life enthusiasts? They love actually being on the boats, going wakeboarding, wake skating, tubing, kneeboarding, whatever it is. Yeah, Jake's definitely like that, for sure. I met him through Malibu Boats. He's been a Malibu owner for a few years now probably yeah six or seven years now or whatever and and uh yeah when i met him at the time he was doing 
these like houseboat parties every fourth of july with all his friends he'd rent like two or three houseboats and just take all of his homies out and friends and and uh yeah just party you know for fourth of july and stuff and and uh so malibu was like yeah you want to go out on this uh houseboat for a couple days over the fourth with this country singer jake owen and i'm like yeah sure like it sounds awesome you know like looked him up online all that stuff and and then met him and then realized he's from florida he's from vero beach um went to fsu like the year after i was there you know like knew some of the same people like you know started playing music at like a lot of the bars that you know like we went to up there and stuff so we just had a lot of like similar kind of uh, i don't know upbringings or like college experiences Dial him and up stuff right like now that. is he gonna pick up uh i don't know man i haven't called him in a while so it'd probably be a little weird but <laughs> but, but, but you guys have you guys have been spotted on tmz in downtown orlando right you, you oh, i don't know maybe but he's Not big a- <laughs> time now i mean when i met him like five years ago i mean he was just starting to break onto the scene and he was like having his first hit at the time and, and all that stuff but i mean yeah he's like one of the top country music singers now but you know he got married and has a baby now and stuff so he's kind of you know, tone back the 4th of July party weekends and stuff like that. He's doing more of the family thing now, I think. But, you know, still a Malibu owner, still loves to ride. You know, he's great wake surfer. Last time I saw him was here in Orlando, um, probably about a year ago. Like, it was last spring. He was shooting, uh, doing a photo shoot for, like, People Magazine or something. And we brought some boats out for him. And, and yeah, took him wake surfing on the new 24MXE. And, and uh, yeah, I got some cool stuff with him. So, But, yeah, he's a solid dude and, and uh, yeah, really cool guy to hang out with. Yeah. Hey, before we finish off, I was thinking about some of the crazy times and like the personal experiences over the years that I've had with you uh, through traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, figured I could bring up a couple of the appropriate ones to talk about. Yeah, let's see. Oh man, I don't know where you're gonna go with this one. Well, my first my first <laughs> memory of meeting you in person. I don't think we actually talked to each other. I was a little intimidated. This was a long time ago, but. <laughs> It was a party over at Parks Boniface Little House in Lake Alfred. Okay, yeah. Everybody's there. I mean, the whole pointless posse is there. You know, you got the original gold mic out. These guys are, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, I think he, I remember what night this might be. All of a sudden, there's a helicopter flying over, and <laughs> yes. it's got nothing to do with us. I, <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's got nothing to do with us. For some reason, you pull a spotlight out. I don't know you at the time. <laughs> and you start flashing this spotlight up at this helicopter. And a yeah. few moments later... The Polk County, I mean, it, it's you <laughs> snap your fingers and the Polk County Sheriff's Department helicopters just zoom right into Parks' backyard. Yeah, that was, I don't know what I was thinking. This helicopter was way off in the distance. Like, you could hear it, but and you could just see its kind of spotlight. Obviously, it was a police helicopter. Like, And yeah, I have no idea what kind of possessed me at the time to try to shoot a spotlight at it. But yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, flashed it a couple of times or whatever. And yeah, that helicopter was over our heads in no time. And they were seriously like, I could see the pilot in the helicopter. Like they were that low. I mean, it was ridiculous. I, I'd like to say that I saw that guy, but as soon as that helicopter, I was in the ditch. I mean, I, I think I think I was 20 years old at the time. I think we maybe we were all underage at the yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, you may have just been 21. So yeah, you, you, I might have. I was kind of the older guys on the Pointless crew when we were all hanging out. But you were the one buying the beer. beer. <laughs> yeah, I made have been the guy buying the beer that time. But yeah, that was. I learned my lesson on that one. Yeah, you don't you don't shine any lights at helicopters or planes or anything like that. Unless there's emergency. police ones. <laughs> Dude, I got to say, you, you but, practically gave me a heart attack that night. I think I gave everybody, including myself, a heart attack that night. But luckily, it was only the helicopter. They never called the cars in or whatever. So we were all good. But... I think you. Yeah, that was that was super sketchy. I think they got you back. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you um, 
<laughs> fell asleep early that night, and I think you got sharpied all over. If I, I can, yeah, that happened. I, yeah, maybe once there, and once at Nick and Jules's house. Yeah, maybe. Right. <laughs> I got one. I got one other crazy time, and this was the time we were in Chicago, and um, we met up to go to a Cubs game. Oh yeah, a group dude. of us. Eric Ruck, so fun. Patty Ando, Chewburger. Yeah. Um, they were all there. Can't remember if anybody else was with us, but it was a beautiful night. It started off as a beautiful night. Awesome night. Few innings into the game, and all of a sudden, this crazy, crazy storm pulls in, and before you know it, it's a, a microburst yeah. like in the middle, which for people who don't know what a microburst is, it's basically like a mini tornado Yeah. in the middle of Wrigley Field. Yeah, in downtown Chicago. And this has never happened before. Yeah, right as it got dark, so you couldn't really see exactly what was going on, but you could see lightning and just the darkest clouds you've ever seen, like rolling in, like from the west. It was crazy, and that was a that was a scary time. They put us in the, um, well, I don't know. It's like I remember us just hanging out, kind of in the corridors in the stairwells of. of well, yeah, Wrigley. We, I remember we we were sitting just uh, out in the open, like where when it did start raining, the roof wasn't covering us. Right. So we. Everyone started clearing out, so we went up and sat like in seats up under the roof, and then it got even worse. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, and then it got like scary, scary, and then they started making announcements like, yeah, there's tornadoes in the area and all this stuff. So yeah, we went to like a stairwell, but it was still like an outdoor yeah. stairwell basically, and yeah, crazy lightning, tornadoes. I mean, yeah, it was nuts, but they told us if we left, they weren't going to let us back in, so we were trying like our hardest not to leave, you know? But I, yeah, the weather was insane. I don't know if you remember, we left and then they let us back in. Yeah. And we went and we sat like four rows behind home plate. Yeah, it was and, awesome. So, but no one was there. Nobody came back to it the game. It was like a two and a half hour delay. And yeah. they somehow, for some reason, started the game again. But then they stopped it too. Yeah. I remember we, we watched like another half of it. Yeah, we were there all night. We were there till like midnight trying to watch this baseball game. That was that, that was, was insane though. We had some crazy. good times in that stairwell. <laughs> and I do have some more um, wild times with Brian Grove, of course, uh, on the road throughout our last decade. But for sure, we we'll leave those. If if anybody is listening to this uh, podcast and they want to hear about some of those crazy stories, you can buy us a beer sometime, and and we'll yeah for get, sure get a little bit looser. <laughs> but uh, before we finish up. Uh, I want you to go ahead and have the opportunity to plug away and uh, give a little sponsor love to anybody who helps you out. Yeah, for sure. I've been, you know, really lucky um, to have the sponsor that I've had for a long time. You know, I've been with Hyperlite for, oh uh, man, like almost like I think it's my 17th season with them, and and obviously the support that I've gotten from from Red Bull being able to do, you know, all these projects that you know we're always just kind of dream about, you know, and then obviously been able to in the future still be able to to do some stuff that I've really wanted to do the last few years. And, um, you know, Billabong has always been great, you know, having Butch here at the beach, shaping my boards, you know, having that relationship with him. And then um, obviously their clothes are killer and they've always been a big supporter in Wake and, you know, they got a great team and Malibu boats, same thing. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do what I do being a professional boat rider, um, you know, without having a boat in my backyard and, you know, those boats aren't cheap and, to have a brand new top of the line boat to use every year is, is really just a huge blessing and, and uh, try to never take it for granted because uh, without it, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. So I owe those guys a lot. And, um, and yeah, I mean, even down to 
you know, Zeal Optics has been been killer too. Um, they just have a really cool vibe going. It's kind of a an outdoor company, and you know, they really encourage people to like get out in nature and and kind of explore the world and and you know, and just kind of see new things, which you know, I've really kind of um, taken a liking to in the last few years, like just trying to travel a ton and and see new things and. Um, you know, and obviously like where it all started with Bill Porter at performance ski and surf, you know, gave me my first job, like the, the week I turned 16 and, uh, you know, kind of introduced me to, to the wakeboard industry. And, you know, he still continues to take care of me every time I got a broken board or, you know, need to get new bindings to go snowboarding or whatever it is, you know, Bill's and uh, all the guys at the shop, there are always taking good care of us. You know, you've worked there, so, you know exactly how it is and how family kind of oriented it feels and stuff there. So, um, yeah, wouldn't change a thing with any of that and, uh, been really lucky to get support from all these great companies and, uh, yeah, hopefully can continue to, to, uh, do new things this year and, um, you know, try to get some good photos and get some good video and some new followers. And, uh, yeah. You know, try to build up social media. I guess that's a big, big deal these days, you know, and, where are you at? And, uh, yeah, it's really fun, you know. I got a, I picked up a bunch of followers with that Bosnia video, which was pretty cool and and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, is it Brian Grub? Uh, yeah, my my handle is uh, Brian K Grub on Twitter and and Facebook, and then I have an or on Twitter and Instagram, and then I have a athlete page on on Facebook too. You can just search me under my name. Beautiful. So yeah, Easy. man. So yeah, it's been a good run, and yeah, I appreciate you having me on tonight and. It was a good time kind of talking about the old times and yeah, yeah it was fun, man. I, I know this is going to be a great episode and it, it seriously means a lot to me to have you here because you are obviously future hall of famer and <laughs> no joke. You really Thanks, are. Man. And Thanks. And, uh, and in my opinion, obviously one of the guys, so in our sport, not just, not just wake skating and toad water sports. I mean, you're one of the faces of the sport and uh, you know, it, it, once again, it means a lot, and and I truly appreciate you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're leaving tomorrow morning with Parks on a on a trip, so yeah, we got a little adventure planned uh, for the next two days. So yeah, get home tonight and get. Uh, I just got home actually from another trip today, and yeah, get get turned around real quick and and head back out. So um, yeah, we're just trying to keep moving and and try to do new stuff and and uh, you know have some fun along the way. So so far so good, and yeah, we're gonna continue to keep it rolling. It's a beautiful thing. Well, thanks again, Grub. All right, Dan, I appreciate it, man. Well, guys, that was a lot of fun, and we're not done. Hang tight. Some sponsor love is coming up, and then we'll be right back with a little bit more here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Nothing's better than paddling with friends and enjoying a day on the water. And that's why you need to check out Hungry Boards SUP. Inspired by the extreme determination to compete in the faces of athletes as they hunger to win. Hungry Boards go the extra mile and are passionate about their work and the sport of paddle boarding. They strive to create stronger, higher quality boards at a better value. Hungry Boards are designed to provide performance and stability to help keep you hungry for the enjoyment of SUP. Hungry Boards simply create boards that will deliver an experience where their customers will always crave more time on the water. Be sure to like them on Facebook and check them out at www.hungryboardssup.com. Hungry Boards, real boards for real people. I'm honored and grateful to have had Brian Grubb on this episode as my guest. Grubb is a star. He's a busy man, and he still found time to squeeze me into his schedule. 
I think we all learned a lot from this episode and maybe even got a little inspired. I've been lucky enough to have been able to travel the world and work with Grubby over the last decade of my career. We have a lot in common, both with the water ski backgrounds, working at performance ski and surf, and so much more. Grub is a funny dude, and over the years we've had some good times. He can definitely get wild, but he knows when it's business time as well as party time. Something we didn't talk much about is how much he gives back to Toad Water Sports. He's been a judge on tour longer than I've been announcing. He does clinics to teach people how to ride, and in my opinion, because Brian Grubb was in the trenches of the wake skate world taking the sport serious before really anybody else was taking it serious, is a reason why wake skating has come so far. A great conversation again with Grubb, and always look forward to the chance to hang or talk with him. Now remember, new episodes of the Golden Mike Podcast post the first and third Wednesday of every month. Please be sure to give them all a listen, and don't forget to check out all the past episodes. Your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. This show is for you, the fans, so become a part of it by getting in touch with me anytime through email at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter. Follow me at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. And on Instagram, again, at Dano T Mano. Before we go, a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, Perfski.com, Hungry Boards, SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. Thanks again to my guest, Brian Grubb. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Olamano, and you can hear me next time on the Golden Mike Podcast.